Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. So we are in Ephesians, and we're going to be in chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at just a couple verses, but I believe these couple verses are, I would say, weighty in a sense. It's good for us to go through, but I believe we need to read so that we can get in context what's going on. We're going to actually start from verse 17. And we're going to look at the new life of a believer, the new life of a Christian. Uh, but we, we will be looking at verses 29 and verse 30 more in depth. So this is what it says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, all the way till the end of the chapter. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is it, that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to every practice of every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put the new self, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Let the sun go. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let the bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Like I said, we're going to be focusing on two verses of chapter 4 in Ephesians, and the two verses is 29 and 30. And this is, I'll reread 29 and we'll dig in. It says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So, it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. So that's the first part. That's the first part that Paul wants to convey so that 
uh, the believers may understand, this is how a Christian should act. Well, they should act and speak in such a way that there is nothing corrupting coming out of their mouths. Um, and that's the idea here. And the word for corrupting actually is used many times in the New Testament to convey um, bad fish or filthy fish, corrupted fish, or rotten fruit, right? So there's rotten fish and rotten fruit. And one part is we find that in Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. Um, and this is what it said says Matthew chapter 7 17 and 18 and it says this so every healthy tree bears good fruit but the diseased tree bears bad fruit right a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit right so the understanding here is that there's two kinds of trees and one tree bears good fruit the other tree bears bad fruit but the bad fruit is actually coming from the bad tree and the good fruit is coming from the good tree. Now, as believers, we have put away our old self. That person does not exist. Now we are a new creature created in Christ. Therefore, we shouldn't be speaking in such a way that we're still carrying on to the old body that we have put to death already right? Consider that dead and everything that came with it. And everything that came with it was the corrupting talk out of your mouths. And, and that's one thing, right? And even before that, in Ephesians, we, we are talked about in verse 25, therefore having put away falsehood, that's what has been put away. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, right? We spoke about that last time. And we spoke about being angry and not sinning because it says be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, right? We see in scripture many times where the Lord shows a kind of anger that uh, is justified, right? We should be angry at our sin. We should detest our sin and hate it, not want to sin because the new creature that we've been created to be um, no longer desires that. Now we desire truth and everything that is good that comes from above. This kind of corrupting, corrupted speech um, is, is, is a kind of speech that breaks down, right? So we see in scripture and also we see in Jesus whenever he says that it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out that defiles a the man. And the reason being is that we ought to watch the way we talk because that's one of the biggest things that goes away when you become a believer, that there's no corrupting talk coming out of your mouths now. Why? Well, because we have been saved by grace, right? There is nothing in us that causes us to be saved, yet God still saved us. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says Christ died for us the ungodly. So what's happening here is that our pattern of speech has now been changed. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, right? That it may give grace to those who hear. 
So we have to understand that there's people listening. We have to understand that every time we speak, people are catching on to what you are saying. And it says here, but only as is good for building up. So our speech, the way we talk, uh, should be done in such a way that builds people up and not breaks them down. Uh, if, if you put someone down, uh, you're no longer acting the way you should. Now you're acting like your old self. Um, and, and Paul gets into that into the next verse, in verse 30. Um, but here we have to un truly understand that as new believers, as Christians, uh, we are not to talk in such a way that is corrupting or rotten or foul, right? Uh, a foul language should not be coming out of our mouths, um, but only that which is gracious and good and God-honoring. That's the kind of speech that we should be showing because as believers, we are now representatives of Christ. We are Christ followers. And if we are following Christ, we are not going to speak in a way that he would never speak. Right? Instead, what did Jesus do? He spoke truth. Scripture says that in him is hidden all wisdom and knowledge. All knowledge and wisdom. That is what's hidden in Christ. And if we have the Holy Spirit... Um, we have repented from our sins and believed in him. We've truly been born again. Um, this new creature, us, that have been made new, uh, should no longer walk in such a way. And that's what Paul is getting at here. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear, right? So we are saved by grace. And because of that, we're also kept by grace. Nothing in us is keeping us on, uh, held on to Christ or God. Instead, it's him holding on to us. Scripture says that we are hidden in Christ in God. So imagine this is us. Christ is guarding us. And now Christ is in God. So nothing uh, can get to us and we cannot fall out. And that's the idea here. Um, we can also see that it says, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Right? We should live in such a way and speak in such a way that gives off grace. Because Jesus set the standard, right? In Luke chapter 4, verse 22, this is what it says. And all spoke well of him. So Jesus was speaking in such a way and doing um, many mighty works. He, he, he was doing um, healing the blind and, and fulfilling prophecy. Listen to what it says in chapter 4, verse 22. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And then it goes on with them trying to figure out why is Jesus speaking in such a way? Isn't he that that Joseph's son, you know, the, the son of Mary? Um, but here, they're recognizing that Jesus spoke 
a certain way. And what way was that? It says, And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. Jesus set the standard, and we should be as followers of Christ doing the same thing. Right? And this is what it says in verse 30. So, let and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Right? So, there's grieving done to the Holy Spirit of God. Right? So, when we, we understand, a lot of us understand, um, who are believers, that God is one, but within this Godhead, there's three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right, and here it's speaking of the Holy Spirit being grieved. So we see that the Holy Spirit has emotion. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. And how is that done? Well, what did we talk about before? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. So when you start speaking that way, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're actually grieving the Spirit of God. And then Paul reminds us who the Spirit is. It's the one whom we were sealed by. And it says, for the day of redemption. So this is God's way of saying, um, putting a stamp on us and, and, and sealing us in such a way that we are now being kept until the day of redemption that we receive our inheritance. Um, right? So that's something that I want to point out. Because... Uh, we have to understand that if we can grieve the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not just a force, right? Uh, the Jehovah's Witness would say that the Holy Spirit is, is like a electricity running through your lights, right? They would say it's, it's a force, but not necessarily a being or a person. Uh, but we have to understand that the Holy Spirit has personhood. And scripture speaks on that all over, right? John 14, 16 through 17, this is what it says. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you so the holy spirit is being spoken of as a he and a him as a helper right a force is not a helper um so here we see that the the spirit of truth has personhood to him and not only that uh, the holy spirit has intellect right we see uh, that in first corinthians chapter 2 verses 10 through 12 and this is what it says to another, the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits to another, various kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So now he has a will. He has this ability to give to each person gifts because that's what being uh that is what is being spoken of here 
um, that the Holy Spirit has intellect. It also has feeling, right? You can grieve the Holy Spirit, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Um, also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, we saw that he has a will, right? A force does not have a will. Um, an, an inanimate object does not have a will. We see that only people have wills, and the will of the Holy Spirit is the same of that of God. And not only that, we also see that the Holy Spirit is a guide, right? In John 16, verse 14, listen to what it says. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So you see, in a little bit before that, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And then it continues saying, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we see this, that the Holy Spirit is personal. And not only that, this is the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. Even Scripture speaks that this is the Spirit of Jesus. And to touch on a little bit more on the Holy Spirit, listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. So this is what it says. Then him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we see this, the, the Holy Spirit being used here as an example of God putting a seal on us, and the seal is the Holy Spirit. Right, so what is this seal, right? So the seal is like a mark of identification. So people had signet rings and they would dip it in wax. And whenever they would write a letter and seal the letter, they would use that wax to seal the letter together. And it would have an imprint of a letter on it. So for me, my name is Jonathan. So I would carry around a, a ring that would have the letter J to signify this came from me. So now when I dip that ring in wax and then seal the letter the letter now has a seal with the letter j on it so the same idea here is being used by paul um that this seal is a sure seal from god that cannot be removed because god himself is the one who did this and scripture tells us that all of us who have received him None of us will be lost. We cannot lose our salvation. So to lose our salvation is to say that the Holy Spirit of God has left us. And scripture says that we were given the Holy Spirit and he is the promised Holy Spirit, as it says here. Um, we can see four things of this, of the Holy Spirit, of this sealing uh, that is done. Right? We, we see security, authority, um, we also see ownership and authority, right? Authenticity. So those are the four things. Security, authenticity, ownership, and authority. 
and we have to understand uh, what that means, right? So, what do I mean by security? Well, in Matthew chapter 27, verses 62, um, it says the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how our that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. They're speaking of Christ, and that's, uh, they're, they're uh, repeating what Jesus said when he said, After three days I will rise. Verse 64, Therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell his people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud would be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So there's the idea of sealing, is that it is made impossible here in this context for any man to escape or get out, right? Uh, they're, they're making it such a way that they're sealing the tomb, right? They're rolling the stone over the tomb. And not only that, they have guards uh, guarding it, protecting it. So the idea there is that uh, there is a sense of security that we are given when we are given the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're also given the authenticity, the understanding that the, um, the Spirit of God, whenever there's a seal, um, in Esther chapter 8, we see that there's, uh, verse 8, this is what it says, But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. So the same idea here is being done with the Holy Spirit. When we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, that sealing cannot be revoked. So for the Holy Spirit to leave someone and them no longer be uh, saved after once being saved, like let's say they lost their salvation, well, it's to say that God made a mistake by saving them in the first place. But that's not the case. When we are given the seal of the Holy Spirit, when we are given the Holy Spirit, no longer will the Holy Spirit escape. It says that the Holy Spirit will be with us forever in Scripture. We read that earlier. And also, ownership, right? Like I said, when you seal uh, a letter with a, whatever letter your name starts with, uh, that shows that you are the one sealing this letter and you're the one that you're sending out this letter. And also we see authority, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. This is what it says. And it has, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So you see the authority that the Holy Spirit has, the authority of this seal that is done on us. Because it says, 
It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. God has sealed us. So when we have the Holy Spirit, we are anointed, right? And who has also put a seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And what is this guarantee? Well, a guarantee that we will one day receive our inheritance, right? The giving of the Holy Spirit is God's pledge to bring about the believers or to bring about our future inheritance in glory, right? And that's what it's being spoken of here in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians in verse 21 and 22. So that's what it means to be sealed for the day of redemption, right? This seal cannot be broken. And if you have received the Holy Spirit, know that you will be sanctified. But also, you can grieve the Holy Spirit if you speak in a corrupting way. And we have to understand who the Holy Spirit is. It is God himself dwelling within us. Right? What did Jesus say uh, in Matthew chapter 28 when he says that all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe and obey all that I've commanded. And behold, I will be with you till the end of the age. So what is Christ saying that Christ is with us now and he's going to be with us until the end of the age. So I would say if you have not received the Holy Spirit, you know, the call is to repent from your sins and to believe in Christ. Believe in the one in whom God has sent to die on the cross for the sins of his people. If you believe that and understand that we have broken God's law broken god's commandment and now we have fallen short from the glory of god know that there is only one way of salvation and that is jesus christ to believe in him repent from your sins turning away um, from that which caused us to fall right so the fall that happened in genesis chapter 3 was a disobedience to god's word we have disobeyed Because Adam has disobeyed. He was our representative and he fell. And because of that, it was imputed to us, which is why now death reigns. I wouldn't say reigns over us, but this corrupted body that we're still in, it has to die. It's going to die. 10 out of 10 people die. Now, the question is, when will you die? We don't know. It could be tonight in your sleep. could have a brain aneurysm and you could die. could die tomorrow, could die next year, could die 10 years from now, could die 50 years from now. The thing is, we don't know. But what we do know is that there is death. Death does exist. And not only that, Christ also exists and in him is the fullness of truth, fullness of wisdom and knowledge. Scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Do not be like the fool who will despise the word of truth, right? The gospel 
being proclaimed is truth and it is the very thing that will save somebody. And the call of the gospel is to repent from your sins and to turn to Christ for the salvation of your soul. Right? And he will save you. Scripture tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So, if you have not believed, believe. Trust in him. Repent. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.